What is up, everybody? How are we doing today? I know today sucks, um, but I don't think we're going to be, you know, a sad, solemn show. That's not really how we run things around here. We're more like, you know, jokes and, and we'll get over it. We'll get over everything through uh, through jokes and grief like we've been doing for the last, you know, 15, 16 months we've been doing this. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of already over the game seven loss. And I'm sure that's <coughs> easy to say out loud, but like. Game four, in my opinion, hurt me more than game seven ever could. Uh, that loss last night doesn't even make my my top five losses in, in Philly sports history. I know a lot of people are trying to say it does. Um, and it's probably because I think you can just boil it down to one thing, why the Phillies lost, and, and that's hard to do on other games. And I think that's the, the bats went cold. It's not like the Kawhi shot where it just punched it right in the mouth. Uh, or the Super Bowl where you could question, you know, Gannon's defense or Hurts' fumble, or maybe they just went up against the best coach QB tandem of all time. This one, you know, kind of just felt like getting one for 28 in game six and seven from your four best hitters is is what you did. It, what did you in? So let's bring on Kevin Kincaid and, and let's bring on Ann Filippo, who was there last night. And uh, we'll try to make sense of this. And I think we should... Uh, do our best to kind of keep some keep some smiles. I feel like everybody's down right now, and it's it's fair that they're down. But like, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about Game Seven. Let's have some fun, Ant. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I uh, been sitting here talking about this all morning. I mean, I just feel like this is this has been my existence for uh, October 25th. But nevertheless, um, last night was not a uh, a fine performance at all yeah um and i look at it and say this was perhaps the biggest missed opportunity not just in, in the not just for the phillies but in this city and i've had a hard time coming up with one that was that was better that that was a better missed opportunity like how the, how good the team was and how gelled they were with the city and it just felt like all the stars aligned and everything you're saying. Well, yeah, not only that. I mean, you you got to you, you got you beat the, you slayed the giant, right? You beat the Braves. You get an 84-win Diamondbacks team who even today and I thought that they did a great job in game 6 in games 6 and 7 to win the series. Credit to Arizona for that. But even today, I look at that team and say how the hell are they in the World Series? Like it really, there's they're not good enough, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, you know this was the path was there to a championship, and mm-hmm. you 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 tossed it aside, yeah. and you don't get many cracks at it, right? I mean, it's it's not easy to win a championship. We know that. I think sometimes that's taken for granted by fans. Like, like oh my God, you should have won because you would have won a championship. Things happen, and and championships go awry. You know, the path to a championship goes awry. But I, I, you know, I look at this and say, there's not another opportunity. The only other one that I think comes close is the Eagles losing to Tampa in '02 yeah. in the NFC Championship game. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I'll say the Kawhi shot. You know what? How he saw it. They beat the Bucks. The Warriors go down. You know, with two leg injuries and everything. I think that Jimmy Butler team was the best chance to win a title in that. Well, era. the only thing different. So, and I see a few people are putting up a, a you know Eagles Super Bowl last year. They lost to the Chiefs. The, the Toronto Raptors went on and won a championship and had a Hall of Fame player leading the way in Kawhi Leonard. 
uh, Philly fan mentions the Flyers in 2000 and 2004. In both instances, 2000, yeah, they, they, they probably should win that series, but the Devils were, were a wagon of a team. And in 2004, Flyers were beat up and lucky to be in that seven-game series with Tampa who goes on to win the Stanley Cup. So, like, like, you know, I look at who they played and those teams that they lost to were championship, all championship-caliber teams. This Phillies team, look, the Arizona Diamondbacks may now go on, they may win the World Series, and then who knows how they'll be remembered if that's the case, an 84-win team that wins the World Series. But the fact of the matter is is that this was not a team that the Phillies should have lost to, and yet they did. And so that's why I think that when you look at the, the, the championship path that was there for them and they didn't take advantage of it, that's why it's so, it's so much more disappointing. Kev, how are you feeling on this October Wednesday? Oh, I'm feeling all right. I, you know, I um, actually just typed half a story during that introduction that you guys did there. It's, it's You're welcome. It's titled uh, Dancing on My Own is Officially a Loser Song and Can Go in the, yeah. dust, the dust Bagster of History. <laughs> Caleb Scott, congratulations. You made like 60 million off the show, off the song. <laughs> I don't know how much that goes to your record label and everything. It's not even your song. I don't need the tweets anymore about I'm rooting hard for the Phillies harder than I've ever rooted before because I don't even know if you knew what the Phillies were before the song became a, a locker room song. So I'm him happy for he's, probably, he's probably got some random soccer team over there. It's like fifth division bullshit team. He's like, well, I can take this Phillies jersey off now. You know, now that the Yankees finally lost, I can stop pretending like I care about yeah. the Philly sports fans can stop acting like they like the song. I mean, you remember last year, like to be quite honest. No, last year people were ready to be done with it too. I like yeah, when it came I'll, back, it was like, yeah, yeah. I will be honest with you, and I don't like the song, but I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's gone. Oh, that's such a loser <laughs> song. No, no, it's not even a good song either. I mean, it's a good I, song. Stop I it. think the, the when you see the how the song is, when the Robin. fans are singing it at the top of their lungs, the entirety mm-hmm. of the song, the, it's a thing that is tied to this yeah. to this city and tied to this team. And I, and I hate the no, song. No, no, it can't be. Or else they're going to be the Sixers. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Do, you can't do three years in a row of dancing on my own, or else. It's yeah, not. I just can't see dancing on. I mean, like you yeah. said, Ant, I'll find myself in the car dancing on my own. Comes on, you're singing it, you're toe tapping all over. You're like, wow, I didn't even realize I was doing this. I, but, I man, have a serious, that is such a loser song. No, I seriously, does anybody know anybody in the music industry? I would absolutely love to know how much money callum scott and his record label are getting and then how much is has to be given back in royalties to robin and the dude who co-wrote she's not i mean she got writing credits on the song but there was a co-writer with her so how is the money divvied up there because i think philly fans should get a portion of it too (laughs) so we got to know somebody in nashville or something i can't believe that this is the this is the this is what we're starting to show off with this is the type of show you you come on that this is the big debate that we're this is how we cope man this is how we kind of ease our way into saying that the what do you want to talk about poppers fucking uh lineup like we talked about for the last two weeks no no but what i'm but my why i think that we are completely missing the boat on this and look bob said the same thing he does not think that the song will be back unless this team overhauls and I don't think it's going to overhaul. I think it's going to be a lot a lot of the same players. There's going to be changes, but I think the majority of your core is going to be back again for year three next year. And they're still going to be one of the top teams in baseball. And if they make the playoffs, assuming that nothing goes completely awry and they're in the playoffs again next season, how do you take what this group is and suddenly say, yeah, we're going to try something different? 
happened. Mm-hmm. What, what I think this, this team gels with this city on is the connection of being able to do things like that. Like, is Bryson Stock going to now change the AOK walk-up song? Doesn't need to. But, I'm, but you see what I'm saying? Like, it's part of the fabric of this group, of this, mm-hmm. of this group of Phillies. Will it go away at some point? Of course it will. Of course, but we, it will but go we away don't want that fabric anymore. That's what I'm saying. We want to switch to a different kind of fabric. But where does? But how does that fabric come to be? Like, what? Where does it start? So, who are we suddenly going to start singing some brand new song? Why not? There's billions of them out there. Yeah, but here's the thing. Look at what's look at what's on that playlist for right now. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of those songs cannot be played in the in the stadium with with people there. Okay, you know the Dick Down in Dallas, the four hundred like, level, love on. Dick Down in Dallas. Yeah, my dick is that going to be played in the in the in the? You're going to be blasting my dick in the in the. Maybe in we the need stadium? more my dick. Maybe you're talking about the actual an- in the stadium. Anthony's out here going song by song through the playlist. I'm talking about like the bigger, the larger level but, meaning of like I don't want to rehash that shit. I don't want to run it back. Like uh, yes, the same group of guys is coming back. But what the hell do you think? they're going to play in the <laughs> locker room when they win not that first and that's up to the team it's like dancing on my own they came out of nowhere we didn't even know about the playlist until september i don't right, think but now, but now it's a it. thing but now the playlist is a thing <laughs> and people are following it year like season around like oh, they're not waiting until october to go oh what's on the playlist they're following it from april no but here's my take here's my take listen to this I don't think Phillies fans, Philadelphia sports fans, even like dancing on my own. No. I think they just go along with it because they want to feel connected to the team. Yes. Now I feel a connection to the team. So whatever the fuck song they pick, the fans are going to attach themselves to that anyway. They could pick Cannibal Corpse, Hammer Smash (laughs) Face, and they would be like playing it on their Spotify or whatever, you know. But they're not singing it in the stadium, <laughs> is what I'm telling you. No, well, you not can't say that in the stadium. stadium either, but yeah, but but I, I think the point I'm trying to make is that I don't want this like stank to continue. I, I don't want them to be like the Sixers, right? I know they're only two years in, but I don't want it to be like here's the same group. We're gonna try it again. We get to the NLCS. Here's the same group. We try it again. We go out maybe in the NLDS this time, and then fans are out on on this group, you know. So well, what what has to change? Like I I again, if you're if you're asking me why they lost the series, you can talk about Thompson, you can talk about Kimberly, you can talk about all that stuff. What was the one thing we were we were talking about even when they were hitting home runs? Still leaving some guys on base. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, like that's when is the approach? I watched the Diamondbacks, you know, chip a bunch of bullshit singles out there, score on a sack fly. Trey Turner comes up and he's swinging for the fences every single time. So the, the plate discipline and the, the lack of, you know, um, a, approach at the plate was ultimately what stuff that we had seen all year. I mean, that came back to bite him in the ass. You know, I, I thought and I thought they were competitive last night, even when they went down one nothing, they got the bone home run. I'm like, all right, they're going to fight for this. But mm-hmm. just the spots that we identified, man, like, do we want these guys just coming up, coming up and, and swinging next year again? As, as much as we want to say that the Phillies have a flaw that was batting with runners in scoring position. They were top half of the league with batters and running scoring position this year. I, it, it was a thing that we got so caught up in because when they lost, we looked at it and said, oh, they didn't knock runners in. But in reality, they were better than a majority of the league at knocking runners in with score when they were in scoring position. I, so I get it, right? I get that, that that's, a, that's a because we're, we're so focused on the Phillies and not everybody else, and, and that's fine. But I think, and David Hines Jr. puts up, if we could put up, Craig, that last comment, game three, they changed their approach. That is, the, that is where 
that is where things changed in this series. And it's not that it was the game. It was how Arizona approached the Phillies. Okay? The Phillies, they adjusted to the Phillies, and the Phillies did not adjust back. So we can sit here and say it was the bullpen, it was Topper's decisions, it was Castellanos going 0 for 20, it was Trey Turner's magic of the standing ovation, had an expiration date and ran out, whatever. You can look at any of those things, right? What it came down to is Arizona said, we're going to pitch the Phillies differently, and the Phillies didn't adjust to what Arizona was doing. In a seven-game series, that's what it is. It's back and forth. Who makes what adjustment, and then you react, blah, 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 blah. The Phillies didn't react. They thought that they could continue to do what they had done the entire postseason and two months prior to it to get them to where they were and didn't change. Arizona changed, and the Phillies did not respond back. That is the difference in the series. Can you go over some of the adjustments that you saw Arizona make? Did I miss that? So what they really did, and you, I mean, Kevin Ginkle talked about it after the game, their relief pitcher, about how he said, yeah, we're not, we're not going to um, throw them fastballs. We're just going to throw them breaking balls out of the zone, and they're going to swing through them. They kept swinging at shit. Yeah. The Phillies were, over, Phillies were over-aggressive. Yeah. And the reason it – and being over-aggressive is how they were scoring all the runs. Right? I mean, you know, let's, let's, you know, they scored 10 runs off of Arizona in game two. They won 10 to nothing and because they were just – they weren't sitting there waiting to take walks. They were like, we're just going to pummel the shit out of the ball. Right? And that's what they did. The ambush. How many times did we hear the word ambush? Yeah, yeah 100%. Right? And I think that, that the Arizona said, okay, fine. Well, then we're not going to give them stuff to swing at, and let's see how patient they are. And the Phillies did not get paid. They, they were not patient. patient. They, could, they should have had 10 guys on base from walks. Uh, I mean, they walked Christian fucking Pache. Yeah. You know, in that yeah. game, and had two runners on, and when they didn't get those guys home, yeah, yeah they, they had six. They had six more outs, but we were all reading we it on seventh inning. We knew it was over. We were all thinking it. We're yeah. like, that's probably that's probably. So the Phillies were one for ten with runners in scoring position yesterday, and I know again, I know everybody's going to hammer on it. They did this all year. This is what they were all year. I, I tell you that it's not as bad. If you go back and look at it, it's not as bad as you, everyone thinks it is. It's just that that's what we harped on when, when, in games that they lost, okay? And you look at games that they won, they were actually pretty good with runners in scoring position. So they, they, were, they weren't top of the league, but they also weren't terrible. They were m- uh, better than average. The, the fact of the matter is, is that you had five at-bats in this game with runners in scoring position and your two most – well-compensated players come to the plate and neither none of them they in those five at bats they did not get a hit they did not drive a run in they didn't move the runners up they did nothing they made outs that ended ended things trey turner 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position bryce harper 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position that's where game seven disappears for the phillies if you're if your best players are your best players in game seven you win the game they were not and that's why the Phillies lost. And is that the real way they quick. targeted? Go ahead. Yeah, real quick. Nick, just to piggyback on that thought, Nick Cassianos, I think he had a home run to start, right? And then he went one for 21 in the series. Yep. Trey Turner, 0 for 12 in games 5, 6, and 7. Bryce Harper, 0 for 7 in games 6 and 7. Uh, had a couple walks, I think, in there. Uh, Craig Kimbrell bottled it in games 3 and 4. <clears throat> Aaron Nola. I mean, he battled, but he wasn't Nola in game six. Same thing with Ranger Suarez, really. I mean, those guys were not at the top of their game. Um, you know, really, I mean, like those top, the first three things that I said there, yeah. Cassiano, so, Harper, yeah. 
So it wasn't Garrett Stubbs' comments about the pool that lost him the series? Dude, it, that, <laughs> nothing drove me crazy. Like, <laughs> I, that's, so, what I, that's what I heard it was. That's a fan thing. Fans love saying that fan, shit. Fan, you, guys, fan, you guys jinxed it. it. You guys forced it. You disrespected the Diamondbacks. No, no, no. But the, We're no, no, no. And the Diamondbacks weren't saying, Pagan, see, this is the thing. And and you 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 exacerbate this. You you fuel this fire. Kidding. I'm needling you. You, you, get the, you get the people riled up. People don't recognize that. People mm-hmm. don't recognize it. Yeah, right? So You have to understand that like Philadelphia sports fans and media a lot of times just take things at face value because they don't realize that there's maybe another layer of I mean, first of all, what needs to be understood is that the question came from the inquirer to Garrett Stubbs about the pool. So, of course, he's going to talk about the pool because that's what the question was. I love this. And if you go with the yeah. full answer, there was a whole qualifier about them having to win before they could technically celebrate. It was, it was as innocuous as the stupid Merrill Kelly thing. Yeah, I was going to say, if you go with the Merrill yes. Kelly quote, then Same we don't thing. everybody go to like the bullpen. I got to listen to Nick Sirianni. I got to listen to Nick Siri come out come out at his press conference the other day and talk about how they felt like they were underdogs or people were doubting them or, or whatever. So you're 5-1 and one playing at home on Sunday Night Football. You're one of the best teams in the NFL. Nobody was doubting you. Nobody, the, 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 the hoops that people jump through to, to look for any kind of motivation, any kind of bulletin board material, we are we are stretching more than who's the fucking guy from the Fantastic Four with the long arms? Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. Thank you. Like, like, it's like <laughs> Gumby. You on, about it 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I, I know. I can't, I can't remember. I'm, I'm all frazzled. It was a long night. <clears throat> but, like, I mean, we were, stre- we were stretching for this stuff so much. They didn't lose the series because Garrett Stubbs talked about jumping in the pool uh, based on Scott Lauber asking him some some innocuous n- nothing. You know, I hate when people like grab onto this. That's why I wrote that whole yeah. little sidebar on like the idea of entitlement. There's a difference between feeling like you deserve something, you're owed something versus like having the confidence that a team with a double the payroll playing at home up to nothing should probably win the fucking series. That's not a hot take. Right. It's not being overconfident. That's not being like a sore loser or anything. It's it's. 99% of the people believed that. There's nothing wrong with believing that. It doesn't mean that you're taking the Diamondbacks lightly or that you doubt them or anything. We're looking at on paper here and based on recent results of what we think is going to happen, what we think should happen, and that's what should have happened. They should have closed out the series. It's not it's not that's not a hot take, you know. So and yeah. did the Phillies not win because the Diamondbacks did not give them enough bulletin board material like the Braves did? <laughs> No, come on. There's no low hanging fruit to pull, right? I mean, where's our artificial motivation when we're actually favored to win something? We can't get the job done. Philly Philly teams can only do the stupid fucking underdog thing. It's like we've been disrespected, or somebody gave us bulletin board. How about you go out and win a series or win a game when you're the favorite? There you go. So you're the better team and just get the fucking job done. And that didn't really that and and them planting the flag in the field and them cheering to and them partying to dreams and nightmares that didn't bother me because we were so yeah. fucking cocky the entire series between Merrill Kelly stuff between buying their own stadium tickets and then losing two in a row and now being like the best fans of baseball walking out in the ninth and everything with three outs still left to go like we deserve to eat the largest amount of crow. There's a difference between being confidence in your team, uh, being confident in your team, being disrespectful of the other team. I don't think that uh, we've pointed out that the Diamondbacks are six seed. They're an 84 win team, but they didn't get there for nothing. You know, they swept two division winners to, to get there. You know, I don't think anybody was naive to that fact. I don't think when people were really talking up the Phillies, at least here in Philadelphia, I don't think they were doing it 
while simultaneously saying that the Diamondbacks are ass. I think they I, I, I would Phillies disagree with that. I had I had Phillies in five. I I thought this. So was, did I. Yeah. I had the Phillies in five. Yeah, but again, too. I don't even think that's disrespect. I don't I don't think that necessarily like inherently implies something about the Diamondbacks. I think you just, you're just saying the Phillies are better and they have home field. I don't find that to be disrespectful at all. I don't think those two thoughts necessarily have to be connected. You know, which is why when people come back after the fact and say. Well, we didn't take him seriously, or it was like disrespectful, or Garrett Stubbs in the pool, or whatever. I don't. I think those ideas are mutually exclusive. I think you can have a lot of confidence in your team without necessarily thinking that the other team is are some bums. You know, like they they have decent players, but the Phillies were the better team. I will believe that thirty years from now that the Phillies were the better team. And I'll ask my first serious question of the broadcast: Do you think the Phillies took their foot off the gas after going up two zero? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, I mean, they, they didn't react to the changes that were made. So that, to me, that's taking your foot off the gas. That's that's just, oh, no worries. We'll we'll get through it. We'll yeah. be fine. Do it you think it. do you think they have a tough time playing as the favorites, this team? Nah, not necessarily. I don't I don't okay. think that there's anything, any, anything, you know. No, I think it's an epidemic. I, there's nothing that, that's worse over the last couple of years than the, the the faux motivation chip on your shoulder thing. I watched Georgia Bulldog players beat TCU like 60, whatever that was, 63 to 7 or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then they had the audacity to go to the camera afterwards and say, everybody was doubting us. They had people picking us to go 7 and 5. Nobody on the planet doubted Georgia Bulldogs. Nobody on the planet picked them to go seven and, and five. You just won the national championship game by seven touchdowns. Yeah, but, but Kev, this is how athletes but this is how athletes are it's like motivated. No, but but that's like that's CEOs corny. of like entrepreneur uh, like like tech companies and and all the biggest billionaire companies like that's how they all motivate each other because they all have a chip on their shoulder like they always make up like Saban's the perfect example of it. The rat poison stuff. He they always make up this I don't know this 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 fake narrative it's cheap though there's multiple ways to motivate yourself that is the lowest that is the lowest hanging fruit though you know the 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 tier one elite athlete you think tom brady like went into these games saying like the jets are disrespecting us no he knew that he was better and his team was better and they marauded through them as if they were the favorite and they got the job done i just well just once i want to see one team do that and not have to hinge on the underdog yeah and and do do all that you know do i do i think that there are individual players who thrive off of disrespect quote unquote disrespect that may not be that may not be real may have been stuff that they've created for themselves yeah yeah i do i think that there are guys who self-motivate that way but i don't think an entire team suddenly gets motivated by this extraneous bs i really don't if you're not motivated to play for the world series in the national league championship series or any series and you're in the playoffs at the at the highest level then then you shouldn't be there like you should well, that's be what there. i'm saying i mean if, if, that, if that is not like implicitly within your fiber yeah. and your dna then what are you an athlete for you know what i'm saying that's exactly. that's what bugs me because i am not an elite athlete i still try to play i would love to play at these guys level you know and like if i could if i had if I was blessed with their talent and you know physical abilities and whatnot, I could take my brain. If I could take my brain and impart it into these guys' bodies, I mean, that that's the thing that bugs me because it's like you you don't you shouldn't have to manufacture like the the motivational side of it shouldn't have to be artificial, right? right? You know, so I mean, there should there should be enough right in here that you just say I'm going to go out and win because I'm a competitor. Yeah, you know, if, if you don't if you need the extra motivation by making up some fake some fake thing and saying. 
the country disrespected the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, they don't even try that shit on like North Korea state television. They they would think that that's audacious, you know, to, to go that far with a stretch. Man, it's like shit. Fucking shit. Michael Jordan made a career off of it. Michael Jordan did. Yeah, but narratives that weren't real. Yeah, but he 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 shouldn't have had to. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if you're a dog, you're a dog. You know, I want. I, I'm Mike Singletary. I want winners. You know, I don't need the Eagles out here saying, "Well, people doubted us." You're five and one. Nobody doubted you. There's a well, couple. Maybe if Mike Singletary well, built well, more narrative. Well, people the taking years. the Dolphins money line on Twitter doesn't mean people fucking doubted you. Like, let's let's like be realistic about this whole thing. The Phillies were the better team on paper. They had home field advantage. They, they doubled the payroll. They should have beat the Diamondbacks. It's not any more complicated than that. It doesn't mean you're overconfident or that you're an asshole or that you're disrespecting anybody. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. Could have used more narratives. Dan said it himself. They took their foot off the gas. And but speaking speaking of uh, of of narratives, here's a question that I asked Bob this morning. Where does where, where will this Phillies group be remembered, and how? And the reason I asked that question is this: This is the first time that the Phillies will have completed a playoff run where there will be no symbol of remembrance in the ballpark and what i mean by that is every other time that they've been in the playoffs they either won a championship and got a flag won a pennant and got a flag or won a division and have a flag so all those flags out in center field with the year on it you can look up at it and go oh i remember 2010 yeah they lost the nlcs to the giants probably should have won that that series you know that was a, they were a better team than the giants cody ross that little motherfucker whatever like i mean yeah. that's that's the conversation that you're having there will be no remembrance of 2023 anywhere because they didn't win a division they didn't win a pennant and that's the most disappointing thing man because this was a likable group man this is a charismatic right. group i mean i mean pagan think of all the viral stuff that we threw up on the website just in the last four weeks liam cassianos security guy gary um, you know, Them going Xfinity live and partying with the with the fans and everything. That was Brandon great. Marsh taking his belt off and riding the bull. Um, Trey Turner and the standing ovation that we heard about four hundred million times. I mean, whether we were sick of hearing it or not, it was a great story. Yeah. Uh, basically, this t- this team really was the vehicle for for changing the entire narrative about the Philadelphia sports fan, right? And all yeah. that stuff has to take a backseat to the fact that they choked. And that's what that's what's dis- that's the most disappointing part about it because these guys are all relatable and they're all likable. They seem like down to earth dudes who get it. Bryce Harper listens to Chuck from Mount Airy just like I do, you know. So uh, you you hear stuff like that and you look you go back to dancing on my own bullshit we were talking about at the beginning of the show and you think about how much connection there was to this team. Fans connected to this these Philly squads the last two years like they've never connected to a Philly sports team. So it's it's sad to me that that has to go again, in the bagster a little bit, because the thing that goes in the top of, of if you have a bunch of tomes in an archive, Anthony, I don't think Pagan knows what a tome is, but if you have a bunch of those in a in, a, in an archive, and you're looking at the annals of, of history, the first one that you pull off the shelf is about, explains how they choked on the biggest stage. And then as you go book by book through the archive, the librarian on the huge ladder pulls it down and says, Oh yeah, they also did some cool things, and you know the Arcia stuff, and you know they beat the Braves, and they swept the Marlins, and they had a grand slam from Bryce and stuff, and that all goes on the on the back burner, you know. Yeah, uh, and to answer your question, to answer your question, I think they kind of just get lumped with the 2022 team in a way, 
Um, a lot of the guys came back from last year. Obviously, Trey Turner was on the 2022 team. Um, the way I kind of look at him was I kind of look at 2022 to 2023 being kind of like the same year. Like I'll forget that like Taiwan Walker wasn't on the 2022 team thinking he was not knowing that he was just on the 2023 team. I'll think oh, yeah, like, I, 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 and I think, I think you're right, Kyle, in the set, in the sense that, you know, when we think back to the 08 Phillies, we do think of 07 to 11 kind of as a collective, mm-hmm. right? That group. I mean, it was not every year was a different group. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> But I think that we think of them collectively over that five-year span. And so ultimately, we're going to think of this group over whatever the span is, whether it's three, four, five years. We don't know. Um, That said, you know, when you think of the groups, even in the collective, there is nothing that's going to be thought about of 23. There's not going to be a reminder of 23. I, I just think that it's going to be like, yeah, 22, they went to the World Series, and hey, maybe in 24, they win it. 23 is just going to be like part of it. It's just going to be yeah. there. It's going to be the dash. And it might become 22 right? to 2027. We don't know. Like That right. could be like our next 07 to 11. This season is now going to become a dash mm-hmm. is what it's going to be. Well, what would this – would this comp- this would be basically your – instead of being your bookend on 20, 20, uh, 2007, excuse me, to 2011, and 11 being a lot like um, – what it was today or yesterday, this could maybe be like, you know, we had 2022 World Series. We had 2023 disappointment, maybe 24, 25. Yeah, 26. for sure. Maybe we'll have a better bookend this this time. Yeah, oh, you, you you hope that there's a better <laughs> bookend. You do. Someone hope. had a really good tweet and it was just like, if Bryce Harper, Joel Embiid, Jalen Hurts don't win a title in Philadelphia, I will file a class action lawsuit against the city of Philadelphia. And I think, and I, and I'm thinking of that because it's like, you say what you want about Joel Embiid, but like we have just three dominant guys that like between those three, someone has to win a championship in their lifetime. It's just it 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 would be it would defy the laws of the sports gods if like Jalen Hurts and Bryce Harper, two guys that are just the top of their game that are just insane psychopathic people, want to will use any edge to get to where they need to be, would not come home or raise a championship trophy. Um, sorry, I went off on a little tangent there. What's um? What's Chase the Topper's back? Oh, I think he's back. Is there anything where you could see maybe from his own? You know, he was supposed to resign. You know, before he got the job, or to Dombrowski being like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the guy to take him. You know, across the finish line. No, I, I think I think again. I think you're talking about a guy that I think takes on too much heat from the fan base i think rob thompson's a pretty darn good manager in all honesty i think there are things that you can question at any point with any manager you question certain decisions and say why did you do this or why didn't you do that um but let's keep in mind this guy has taken a team and gotten them to the world series and the league championship series in two consecutive seasons um you know he deserves an opportunity to to see this thing through to the end um could it get to a point, you know, in a year, two years, three years, where if it if you're having like the Sixers situation where you just don't get over that hump and it's the same, you're getting out in the same spot or earlier each year? Okay, yeah, then maybe you you look for a different voice because you know you got to win with this group. But the, the reality is is that he is a pretty damn good manager for this team. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you that he's a good manager. I mean, you don't win 175-plus games in two seasons by accident. Um, It's just it, it, that a couple of decisions just really bothered me. I mean, I think – I know Yo, I know Johan Rojas is a is an excellent defender. Um, I would have loved to see them pinch hit for him in, the, yeah. in that spot. They could have really opened the game. And then one so, more thing, just – and I want you to answer both these. Um, And just boom in the four spot, man. I know Tori Lavelle never came out and said that they were – you know, trying to pitch around uh, Schwarbs and and Harper, but it just felt like that. Even with the home run, it just felt like that. I mean, boom, great guy, awesome catalyst on this team, but the guy gets in his head, and you can see it. And sometimes when he's you know in his head, he's just not. He might not be that guy that that dog that you need in the four hole, and that just really that's that's one thing I will be upset about thinking back on this a month from now. Uh, I'll give you two things. Uh, uh, one I think you're going to find that I'll agree with you on and one I will not agree with you on. So the first part about Rojas, I would have pinch hit for him as well in the fourth inning. There's an opportunity there to put up extra runs and really get a stranglehold in game seven. And they didn't bat for him. And his explanation after the game was, well, they had Mantiply, who's left-handed, warming up in the bullpen. So if you go to Jake Cave, they bring in Mantiply, and you're basically wasting Jake Cave in the fourth inning of the game. Part of me says, does that really freaking matter? I mean, I don't know. But what I would have done is I would have gone to Pache there for the sole purpose of you're going to leave the kid in. You're not going to go to Mantiply against Pache because they know that he hits lefties, right? So they're going to leave Mantiply in the in the, in the uh, bullpen, and you're going to keep Fought pitching. But now Fought has to face a guy who's willing to take pitches. Pache does take pitches. You're facing a guy who's willing to take pitches with the bases loaded and the crowd going crazy. Let's see if he throws strikes. I mean, you saw Pache walk later in the game, right? I mean, he he's a guy that will stand up there and, and force a pitcher to throw him strikes. So I would have gone to Pache there. And at worst, he makes an out just like Rojas did, and you have just as good a defensive center fielder and the game continues, right? So that's the worst case scenario. But the best case scenario is, is you got a guy up there who can at least maybe get you a run, whereas Rojas, you probably had zero chance of him getting, or very low, little chance of him getting you the run. I, would admit, so I agree with you on that. Before you get into the boom side of it, I do admit I didn't hate in the moment with them being up, keeping Rojas in, because I was like, I was I was just thinking back to NLDS when he made that awesome catch against Acuna, and we're going to need his defense in center field. Yeah, but 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 no, that's what I'm trying to say to you is Pache's as good a defensive outfielder yeah. as, as Rojas is, so it doesn't make a difference okay. to me at that point. You're saying okay, let's go with the better chance on offense to open this game up. Still may not work, but we're not hurting ourselves defensively because Pache can play the position as well as Rojas can. So I think that that's where that was a mistake in the moment in my mind, where I disagree with changing the lineup is everybody makes it out like they were pitching around Bryce Harper. They did in what game one, they did a little bit and then they walked him in the first inning of, of game six with those two exceptions, the rest of the, the rest of the time they pitched to Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper didn't, you know, didn't hit. That first at bat last night, he he struck out on that curve that was that was low and away. And yeah, that, there wasn't that many pitches around him, if I remember correctly. Well, okay, but that's on, but that's on Bryce Harper that he struck out on that. But you put Bryce put put him on base, put him on base. You want to put guys on base, put him on base. 
I, I like it's not like that they were intentionally walking him every time to get to Alec Bohm. If that was the case, fine. Secondly, the two best hitters in the Phillies lineup in the postseason with runners in scoring position were Bryson Stott one. Well, we're not counting Brandon Marsh. He only had five at bats. Bryson Stott one, Alec Bohm two. They were the two best in the postseason with runners in scoring position. They may not have hit great, but they did hit when there was runners in scoring position. So why wouldn't you want those guys immediately following the three guys who've been getting on base for you? And really, what does it do for your lineup? Are you going to move Castellanos in there? He's over no. 20. You're going to move Real Muto in there? Okay, you move Real Muto in there. Are they suddenly going to change the way that they're pitching to Bryce Harper to get to Real Muto? Oh, well, JT Real Muto, that that stalwart of, of, of hitting is going to bat behind. We can't. We can't get to JT Real Muto. Heaven forbid we better give Bryce something to hit. They're No, they're not going to pitch Bryce Harper any differently. So why change it and make the lineup weaker at the bottom? Right? Let's, let's say you put Real Muto there. Then you get past Real Muto. What do you have before you get back to the top of the order? A bunch of guys who aren't hitting. It's, it's almost like automatic Marsh. outs. Right? Marsh. Yeah, but Marsh. I mean, what's Marsh? Let's be honest. What's Marsh? Oh. Okay. Yeah, he was really, really the top five OPS on the team this year. Yeah, yes, because he was used in certain situations. He was used against righties only. Didn't face left-handed pitchers. I don't have anything against Brandon Marsh. He's he's a fine player, but he's a bottom of the order guy. He's what he is. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have that thump at the bottom if you're all of a sudden rolling out a bunch of guys who aren't hitting together at once. That's why I don't think you make you make the change. And everybody wants to focus on that, but for God's sake, it was a it's a lineup. These guys had a hit no matter where they were in the lineup. No matter well, where I mean, they were, they would have had a hit. What was Tori Lavella? I mean, Tori Lavella with the lineup, I think he flipped Marte and Carroll. That was against lefties. Once or twice. I mean, yeah. he put Rivera in there. Yeah, against lefties. I, I don't think – yeah, and I don't think there was any other thing – Right, because he took they, they, they don't like Alec Thomas batting against left-handed pitching, so they yeah. maneuvered the lineup around a little bit and flipped the top two guys. Just so because Marte's not as good a hitter right-handed, he gets on yeah. base, but he's not as good. He doesn't have the power from the right side. But, so but that was all, you know. Again, and that's all like kind of preordained, calculated kind of stuff. It's not like he's, pull, you know, it's not like Tori Lavella was some fucking magician in this right. series and like pulled some amazing strategy that nobody's ever thought of out of his head. You know, again, that's not me discrediting him i think the other thing that bothers me is when people say well rob thompson got outmanaged sometimes you just don't do a great job on your own it doesn't necessarily mean the other guy was so much more amazing yeah than, than, got- you know it's like everybody it, it always comes like people that don't understand that like there's a mutual exclusivity to this thing i mean just because doc rivers was shit doesn't mean that like joe mazula was amazing right you know exactly. i saying like one thing does not necessarily equate to the other so and we're probably figuring, Anthony, that the, the changes that they made pitching-wise probably came more from the pitching staff than, you know, yes. at the very, very top, right? So, again, that's like a another larger level thing that, that bothers me. I think it's like, it's like well, you hear adjustments, exposed, and outmanaged. You know, if I could take those three, you know, words, those three concepts and put them on Jeff Bezos' rocket ship with dancing on my own and – fire them into the asteroid belt i would i would do that at the same time too because i think it's just not taking everything into a, account it's just a very generic view of what what happens in the series so philly's batting average with runners in scoring position in this series was 238 it's not great right 238 you know what the diamondbacks 
average what runners in scoring position is? 237. Was 218. Yeah. But they're in the freaking World Series. Yeah. So let's not make it seem like that is the reason why things go bad in baseball is the, uh, for, this, for the Phillies. They didn't hit when they had runners in scoring position. Well, guess what? You did the Diamondbacks, and they're in the World Series. So, I mean, again. Well, well, but that statistic, you need to know how many people they had in scoring position. You need to know how many guys were on second, how many were on. Th- you know, it's like there's lay- there's layers to that. There, but- there's so much more to it. There is there is a lot more to it. And it, the, the approach at the plate was far worse than the actual outcomes were. I feel like this was people talk about 2002 Tampa. Yeah. Uh, in comparing how disappointing of a loss this was. I think it felt a little bit more like Sixers Hawks because I know that they will never get this path again. Diamondbacks with home field advantage, Texas Rangers with home field advantage. Well, you are not going up against like the the 98 Yankees here. Right. Um, I think in that in that instance in 2021, the Sixers got the Wizards at home. They got the Hawks at home. They would have had the Eastern Conference finals at home. They probably would have got the finals at home, too. So that's the thing I think that like when you look at it in hindsight, I got a triple check on that. I can't remember who the hell was in the Eastern Conference Finals that year because I've forgotten about it. But I think that I think when you go back and look at it, it's not just the fact that they lost, but that it's probably never going to line. It's not going to line up that way. Again, the fact that you got you fact that you went in as a wild card and you had home field in the NLCS and you would have had home field in the in the World Series as well and avoided the team that beat you in the World Series last year. To me, that's an extra level of aggregate aggravation that they didn't have to play. the. They wouldn't have had to play the Astros. No, you would have played the the Texas team that was entirely beatable. But they wouldn't have had home field, right, Ant? No, not against Texas. Not against Texas would have had home field because because of it was the they had the same record. Oh, they had the same record. Oh, yeah, and Texas won the Texas swept them the first series of the season, and that would have. Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, Yeah, they would have had home. They would have had home field against Houston. Yeah. Home field against Houston. Yes, they would have had home right, field right, against right. Houston. And I think, Kev, who you're thinking of was, I think it was Boston Hawks right. after us. That's right. That's right. Boston went to go play the Warriors. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. But I, could, right. Because I don't think that would have, I mean, right. In the, in the other instances of what the Sixers' second round losses were, you know, they were three seed, three seed. You know, they would have been on the road to start those Eastern Conference finals. I mean, that path, you, you were not going to get an easier path that year you know no, and that's why i yeah. said that this was such a disappointment was because the path was was there it was an easier path for them to get there and win the whole thing than they i mean who knows you never know what it's going to be from year to year you know obviously baseball we've seen since they've expanded the playoffs is a total is crap total shoot. yeah crapshoot i mean home teams can't win all of a sudden mm-hmm. i mean look at the playoffs this year the home teams are terrible in the playoffs this year and so and you have lower seeds going in. It's a six versus a six versus a four. In the yeah, yeah. The, the only the only shitty part is, I mean, the Braves are still returning. Five the Braves. six versus a five. Dodgers are going to spend. Yeah, but no, but I'm yeah. saying like the World right. Series is the sixth place team versus the fifth place team in each league. Yeah. It's the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's you know this baseball has brought this upon itself. I mean, this is what it's done by expanding the way it has. You know, I. 
I know they're you're. Gonna, a, they're going to end up with the worst, lowest watched World Series in the history of the game. It. I mean, it's you're yeah, it's a baseball be awful. Sicko, so I know you're going to watch it. I think yeah, maybe I seven people might watch. I will not watch one pitch. I might watch one pitch. Maybe if like something nothing's going on, but I'd rather watch. Like I think like there's a show called The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix right now. People are yeah. raving about. I might go watch that instead of watch uh, Texas versus the Diamondbacks. Now, if the Diamondbacks win, does this uh, does this take away from the herd a little bit? You think? No, because there look, there's only been one team in the history of baseball who was had a worse record and won a World Series, and that was the Cardinals in what year was that? That they got in eighty three and they were eighty three and seventy nine. Whatever year that was, that that they got in and then they went on a crazy run in the playoffs. That's it. I mean, this is this would be the second worst record to ever win a World Series. And the World Series has been around since 1903. So that what does that tell you? So no, it shouldn't make you feel better. As a matter of fact, it should probably make you feel worse. If the Diamondbacks, if the Diamondbacks go in and win the whole thing, it's like son of a bitch. That Man. team won the World Series. Like the Diamondbacks <laughs> are them. are are part of so much heartbreak in my life. You know this series, and then my 2001 Yankees. They beat Luis Gonzalez on a, on a on a uh, walk off hit. Just man, the Diamondbacks are my daddy. Um, I do want to bring up a, a tweet, and it just it makes me laugh. Uh, Craig, if you still if you still have it, um, the the pitchforks are already out for <laughs> Trey Turner. This is from uh, Joe Giglio. I, I guess he opened the show with this. Oh, oh, now he's back. He's back on this he's train back, again. You know, this yeah, this yeah, jackass yeah. is back on this train. I watched a full season of Trey Turner. He's not a three hundred million dollar player. I'm sorry. He swings out of his shoes. He's a below average shortstop. He has no plate discipline. He's fast. He slides cool. And he had a cool moment with the fans. That's the truth. Now, here's the thing. I don't know how many people followed me on Twitter who listened to the show and everything, but I absolutely flipped the fuck out on Joe Giglio when uh, that's what I should have been banned for, really suspended for. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Rather yeah. than blooper. I flipped yeah. the fuck out when he was trying to take credit and they were all trying to take credit for this Trey Turner ovation, how it was great, how it was everything. This shows you the fraudulent nature of some of those hosts. Some of the hosts I love over there. Some of the hosts I can't fucking stand. And the <laughs> fact that you can go and just completely 180 when you're just ball washing yourself off this ovation makes me absolutely fucking sick. The last person I want to talk about right now is Trey Turner. And like, uh, we, we've like, this is exactly what they talked about. We still have 10 years with this guy. So why are we just like trying to take him down and undress him? Like it's, this it, sucks. It's, no, it's, just, it's just that it's in, it's inauthentic, you know, it's uh. like, a, it's just a flip, it's flip flopping, you know, and, and Philadelphia sports fans and media have the memory, memory span of goldfish. So a lot of these guys just get away with it. You know, I like Joe. I mean, I remember when Joe was not a hot take guy back before spike came in honestly like that's probably where it turned a little bit but you know if you just can say shit and you know stick it to the wall then Ugh. you know it's it's terrible it's it's, it's it's unfair it's unfair to the city because despite what kevin wants to believe <laughs> a lot of people formulate their sports opinions based off of what they listen to on the radio for better, for oh, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm not doubting that. Yeah, I'm just saying I mean, they shouldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't. You're right. They shouldn't. They should be, be able to formulate it on their own. Yeah. Um. I mean, you got but, Bryce fucking Harper saying that he listens to WIP. Right. You know? So everybody's going to listen to them and say, "Oh, well, they know everything." Yeah. yeah. When not when not a freaking one of them. I shouldn't say not a freaking one of them because a couple of them do show up every once in a while. 
actually go down there and talk to the players, talk to the manager, find out what's going on, get some real perspective about the teams in any sport, not just baseball. I'm not just saying it for the Phillies. They don't show up. All they do is go on the air and just vent their – spew their opinions. And that's – it's just BS, you know? And that's why I get I get annoyed. I know everybody will say, well, you're Big J, Big J journalism, right? You know how you do that. But I'll tell you what. The fact of the matter is, is that I will formulate an opinion and I will stick by my opinion. I will say when my opinion is wrong, but I, I allow myself to formulate it because I go down there and talk to the people and get a sense for what's going on. Right. Yeah. And then use it. You make what I call it as an informed opinion. All right. These ass hats on the radio, they don't have informed opinions. Nothing about their opinions are informed. So what the hell are they? Why should anybody listen to what they say? They're just look. Are they people who can generate good conversation? OK, fine. Good for them. Right. That's great. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're right or that they're the be all end all that you should follow what they say. Not in the least, man. Don't don't trust any of that stuff. Yeah, well, and you got to do the you know you have to do the accountability thing. Who do you blame the most? You know, here's like your vent session. You know, it doesn't. It's like that's why there's post game things. I always I always like say jokingly, but I actually mean it. I say that when like there's a bad loss like that, everybody should just shut. Like Twitter should just shut down, and everybody should yeah. have to go outside and like if you smoke cigarettes, smoke cigarettes. Whatever your vice is, just go do your vice oh, for a little bit. Go vape outside or go like drink because nothing nothing and nothing uh you know intelligent or worthy is ever really said in the 30 minutes following a, a loss anyway but it's like radio kind of has to be the like you know vessel yeah blame yeah it's got to be a vehicle for that i guess you know yeah. look and i and i get that it's an it's a place that people can go to to vent their frustrations and it should be a, a place where it you know you have that kind of you know harbor that community right and, and you and you allow them to to be that be the fans that they want to be mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to change the dynamic of everything every 30 seconds and change your opinions be real with the people that's all i ask yeah you can have a take there's nothing wrong with having takes as long right. as you actually believe them believe you, what you're you yes. stick to them or else who was the guy who flip-flopped in the election 20 years ago john Kerry. right yeah john yeah. John Kerry. And this is not a political commentary, by the way. That's just what came to mind when I was thinking of flip-flopping. Or at least he was accused of doing that. So that's that's what it is. Be whatever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. Just believe it and stick to it. You know? Right. Just just own, and just own, look, if you have a bad take, you have a bad take. You have yeah. a bad opinion? Yeah. You, you're, you're bad prediction? Say I had a bad prediction. By the way, Ford is, Ford is on the warpath today. He says, right, and Crossing Broad is much higher level journalists. Ford, so how about you shut the fuck up for once? <laughs> My God. I, it's out of, like, he's just like, I, I don't know how you guys deal with this on a regular basis. I like you know, the guy. One, let's be clear. There's only one journalist who works at, at Crossing Brothers, <laughs> who gets a paycheck from Crossing Brothers, Anthony. It's not us. And I don't get offended by that because I will be the first to tell everybody that I'm not a journalist. I'm a blogger, right? Yeah, a sports writer. Yeah. I don't think many, and I would go a step further too, and like no offense to any big J's out there, but I don't think of sports writing as journalism anyway. When I think of journalism, I think of Peter Arnett there in Baghdad while there are bombs falling behind him, right? Like, like yeah. you know. There are great journalism stories that are done in sports, but like I, th- I tend to think that journalism is much more important than well, whether the Phillies won or lost. You know? And I always qualify it too. People say, ask me if I meet someone for the first time who doesn't know who I am, and they say, "Well, what do you do for a living?" I say, "I'm a sports journalist." <laughs> right? I do. Qual- <laughs> you say, do you say journalist? Because I don't. I just I say, say I write. A, I, I say, say I write sports. about sports. I, I say tell sports people I'm a clown. Journalist. 
I said because I I do think there is I think I agree with Kevin. I think that there is a difference between like I'm important a sports, journalism and sports journalism. I'm a sports content creator, right? We are not we are not sending Pagan out to the fucking Gaza Strip right now. Okay, that's where important shit is really. Right. Right. Are like, there any, any Eagles fans on the Gaza Strip right now? Let's be honest. The NLCS are they drinking like, Miller Light? Yeah, they drinking Miller Light. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> what are the bars like? What's the nightlife like on the Gaza Strip? That, well, that's that's a yes, that's a whole other podcast for another time. Maybe it's bad bad example for me to bring that up, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. You know, you know, what I mean, it's like yeah, I don't think anybody's there are very, there are a handful of sports journalists in this town, um, and there are also a handful of people who think they are journalists who are really just sports writers, you know. But uh, yeah. I believe I believe our stance on that to put a bow on it helps us. Uh, compartmentalize these kinds of discussions and bring them down to reality i'll put one more bow on it just so you know obviously i i come from the background of being a journalist and a, you know an old a, a newspaper that's where i started um but at the same time the being at crossing broad for the last uh six years it has allowed me to kind of muddy the the lines or blur the lines a little bit between what is considered journalism and what isn't considered journalism like i will never report anything that i that is not true but at the same time i'm allowed to be a, lo a, a lot more opinionated a lot more uh editorializing in the writing that i do that i could never get away with that yes i think if phil jasner uh, visited us again and looked at what the current scene was i think he would be shocked right yes. you know and we Correct. would tell him that we're all just farmers we're farming for engagement right you know, yeah. Farmers. yeah we're in the agriculture business yeah i'm going to shift my linkedin profile to agriculture because i'm just farming <laughs> and fishing for engagement here you know but uh you <laughs> gotta know, stand it out I've always said that, like, if your shit's good, your shit's good. You know, it doesn't really matter where you, who you work for, or what you do. Like, if people click on your stuff, it's it's good. You know, and then people say, well, well, you're just trying to get clicks. Well, no fucking shit. I mean, if nobody clicks, it's like what the Onion has posted to the top of their Twitter page. It's like we don't make any money if you don't fucking click the link. Is that what it says on the top of the Onion thing? Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, I digress. That was a good uh, sidebar discussion. Yeah. But, uh, what do you got, Pagan? What's what's left for us here? And where do we go from here? Well, I think it's that's a great question because I think, to hell. I think there's going to be change. Um, <laughs> spent some time talking. Bob talked to uh, Reese Hoskins last night, and I talked yeah. to Aaron Nola last night. We wanted to kind of get a, a sense for where those two guys were. Hoskins flat out said he wants to come back. That's all um, right. Uh, I, I'm not certain that there's a way to make it happen, but I do think that there's a better chance that he's back now than Nola. Um, and I wouldn't yeah. have said that really prior to, to yesterday. Um, I got to ask Aaron Nola a question last night that I wanted to just – I didn't really care what his answer was as much as I wanted to get his physical reaction to. And I waited because I knew he was answering this – you know, he was giving the, 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 the pat answers that you were going to expect him to say, like he hasn't thought about it, he'll take some time and really kind of focus on it next and, you know, and uh, see what his future is. So I waited a little bit, waited till the cameras went away, and I said, Aaron, so this is going to be a, kind of a tough question in a moment, but a few years ago, you thought it was right to sit down and put pen to paper, which you actually did with a pen and loose leaf, and wrote a story for the Players' Tribune about what it was like to be a kid from Louisiana trying to make his way in a big city like Philadelphia. I said, if you had a chance to 
add a couple chapters onto that story that you wrote and do it again now, what would you, what would you add to it? And it was it, the question. Good took question. Back. Yeah. The, well, thanks. And the question took him back a little bit and there was, a, there was some emotion at the beginning of his answer. And then he gave an, he gave a kind of a, a you know, just a generic answer in a sense, but you know, he, re, you could tell just by the way he responded that he's not coming back. That he wants, you know, he he wants to write a, a, a conclusion that, like, hey, he was here from, he was here from the beginning and saw it go from one hundred lost team to a team that contended for the World Series. He got an opportunity to kind of see it through to be a team that's that good, and you know, he'll always think of Philadelphia as home and mm-hmm. things like that. And so, like, but you could see it in his eyes. You could see it in the way that the question caught him. He's not coming back here next year. Is that journalism enough for you, Ford? Yeah, where are you at now, Ford? That's journalism, Ford. That's journalism right there, Ford. Seriously, typing about how he can't defend himself. (laughs) Well, you should have asked him. You should ask him the hard questions, like Howard Eskin. Yes, exactly. How much are you coming back for? What's your agent saying? Yeah, that was a great question, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. By the way, speaking of the hard questions by Eskin, did you any of you catch pregame yesterday? No. He asked Thompson about listening to WIP. No. Oh, what did he say? Oh, it was, it was so good. Pre-game yesterday, he was the first. Of course, he had to be the first question. And he, you know, he wanted to talk about the lineup, you know, and stuff like that. And Let and me guess. Wait, real quick. He started talking and asking his question before, like, everybody had kind of, like, like just as Topper was sitting down, like, before it was understood that the press conference was starting. No, he had to start because, you know, the Major League Baseball runs the press conferences now. So oh, you, they you got have that. to – you got to get the mic because yeah, uh, you got to get the mic because they're doing the um they have yeah. the stenographers who are there doing the shorthand translation yeah. so they put it out it's called ASAP quotes or whatever so yeah. they put them out right away so you had he actually had to wait but he still was the first question yeah, okay. and and he said Can I don't know if you listen Rob you, I mean you should you should find it Kevin you'd have a you'd have a field day with it but uh, I don't know if you listen to WIP and the people who call in and the people who talk on there. <laughs> You know, maybe you won't change the lineup, but when you listen to them, do you ever sit there and think that, oh, maybe they are right and think about it? You know, it was something along those lines was the was the way Howard asked the question. Wait, let me ask you. Let me guess, too. Topper responded with like four words. Yeah, he's like, I, I don't listen to that station or something along the lines like but that. The, the, it's it great. I would not funny. want my head coach to be listening to. Chuck from Mount Airy, give his <laughs> thoughts on like the well, wide was, nine or like the two high safety or something. Like that. I'm sorry, like if you, yeah, and, and if that you was can't get to a coaching position because you didn't listen to sports radio, like good. And like, then Howard, and then Howard goes, but you know Bryce listens to it. <laughs> oh my god! Well, so it's like, funny I, too. Yeah, yeah, I think it's funny too how people are just conditioned to think that yeah, that it's like the, the radio represent is like the you know the number one representation you know where you see it though all the time like real quick is like whenever you watch a documentary about philly sports like they love to open with that uh video montage with like cataldi or somebody talking over it you know mm-hmm. I mean, that's happened in like three different things even like the sons of ben documentary i think like anthony gargano's voice is in the, like, the, well, the kelsey doc was all <laughs> open with wip right yeah, yeah. so i don't know hey well, yeah, I, can't, I mean, look, cornered, man. So, but yeah, but from, I think when you look at those documentaries, like I think that 
from a national perspective, obviously that you know you look at you think of Philadelphia and you think of oh my god they have so they have two sports talk radio stations that are you know popular in town and you know that must be what Philadelphia is all about. I mean that's that's yeah, more yeah. That, I think that's why you see them in those documentaries and why they use them in those documentaries. Well, they're like oh this would be such a creative cinematography shot. We're gonna lay the radio guy talking about this over a montage of. Philadelphia yeah. scenes, you know, it's Hello, like, which, by the way, not to not to change subjects, but did any of you catch that the Flyers are putting out as part of their ticketing promotions? If you watch it, if you're watching a game and they say buy tickets to the next game or whatever, at the beginning of it, they used Russ's voice. Oh my God, the Chihuahua! It's the, it's the Danny Briera. And they <laughs> used, that's that's what Russ said on, on a podcast, and I remember like. Banging my head on the table, like I can't believe you, you just pulled that out, Danny Briera. And then the freaking Flyers put it into a commercial for tickets. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, shout out to Russ. I mean, good uh, good shit on that. I mean, Russ is hustling, man. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even do a story on that for the site because I thought he was gonna write it, like on you on you guys. Um, you know, partnering with the with the flyers. Oh, yeah, whatever. I, you, know, you know, Russ is all about the about look at the look at me. I don't give a shit. Right? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> like, dude, he was so fired up. They because I guess like the f- opener, they forgot to. Uh, they had a lot going on for opening night, so they right. forgot to. They were supposed to do like a mention of us. In oh, the they didn't night. prioritize Russ. They didn't prioritize. So Russ sent them like a nasty gram, and I get a phone call, and it's like. <laughs> Can't can't believe that you guys are holding us to this contract like two days in, and I'm like, Jesus, Russ, what are you doing? But I, then, I like how Russ files the complaint, but then you hear the re- response. Yeah, we can't deal with the Chihuahua. We got to go to the we got to go to the adult. Well, they but then they then they finally so said a second game. They do the promotion in the arena, and he was like, he's taking video like a proud parent, and then he's like, wants to fist pound me, and I'm like, yeah, buddy, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Like, that's cool that we're up Russ on the board. Is, listen, man, Russ is hustling. He's just he's looking out for the STG brand. Yeah, he's, you know, he's trying to he take you guys job. straight to the straight to the moon with Alice Cramden. Yeah, he does a great job. I just like picking on him. So anything good. anything else uh before we wrap this up? Go birds. <laughs> How many Eagles chants do you think we're filling the uh the stadium as people were walking out? I didn't hear one, to be honest. With um, you. Oh, I had a buddy. Well, I have a buddy of a buddy, and we're in a group chat together. And he was just like, "So, there." He's a cop, and they're all all full riot gear. And a Phillies fan walks by him. He goes, "If I hear one more fucking Eagles chant, I'm committing a homicide," and just walks away. Oh my gosh! I think there's a lot of Eagles chants heading out of uh, of CBP last night in some sections. Well, yeah, you know, you got to quickly move on to the next thing, right? You got to. Yeah. There's nothing there's nothing more sad than watching the Philadelphia police take down the barriers on uh, Broad Street after we thought there was going to be a celebration there. Is that how you guys how you and Craig like kind of do you like uh, when you go to do man on the street, but there is no celebration? How do you do your figurative like breakdown? Me and me and Craig, we went back to the same bar where we watched the Super Bowl loss. Because that's what it kind of felt like. And we sat outside the same window and we watched from the same small 35 inch TV. Yeah. And uh, you just say like, okay, I'll see you later. And I took Craig home like a good, like a good employee, like a good coworker. 
<laughs> well, I mean, he makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars, so the least he can do is sit outside of a, a bar. <laughs> yeah, you thought he could have Ubered or something, but hey, yeah, little little, little Kyle, little Kyle. He doesn't even drive himself to the. Yeah, little peon Kyle's got to pay the five dollar toll to get back into Philadelphia. So didn't even offer to pay it. What do I have to do to make a quarter of a million dollars in this company? Bring up, uh, bring up clips for fifteen minutes after we ask for him to bring them up. Uh, that's Craig. This is only because they lost Game Seven. I would never talk to you like this if it yeah. was a regular day. Craig is a, Craig is a value, a very valued employee. I mean, he makes a lot of money, but it's all it's money well spent. It is money. Two hundred fifty k. All right, hey guys, I appreciate you coming on. Everybody listening, I appreciate you guys. Uh, Sticking with us and everything. Um, Flyers and Sixers season, baby, and bird season. So uh, let's uh, come back on Monday, smiles on our faces, and uh, ready to attack for the next uh, eight months. We'll talk to you. I I think there's going to be some Philly stuff to talk about in the next couple weeks. Let's just be honest. Can you – like what – no, I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna start to hear some thoughts on players and where they're gonna go and the direction mm. that they might go in. And I, I do think that there's gonna be a trade at some yeah. point, like of of a of a a player who you probably think. And I'm not saying who specifically, but I think that there's gonna be a trade of a player that you think is part of this core to move out to get to bring something else in. Bryce Harper to the Mariners. No, no, no. I'm not, like, I'm not, like, and what I mean by that, I don't want it to make it seem like I have information that I'm not willing to share. I, I think it's going to be a, I think they're going to break up the core slightly and, and have a player go. If you had a better chance and you had to throw money on this, would you select Schwarber or Cassianos? To stay? To leave, to be traded. If I had to pick between the two of them, yes, who is more likely? I would trade Castellanos. Okay, how about Schwarber, Castellanos, Boom, Marsh, Marsh. Okay, I would rank that in order of. I think Schwarber is the one that stays the easiest. I think it goes Marsh, Boom, Castellanos, Schwarber. Is Stott untouchable right now? Okay, yeah, right, right now. He is. I, I think the city would 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 blow up if uh, Stott got traded. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think he's the next Chase Utley, like a lot of people do. But at the same time, I think that he's a very good second baseman and probably top five to seven in baseball at that position. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think we can read, read, read between the tea leaves there. And, uh, okay. Would, yeah. would, would they be going out and getting a starter, you think? Well, that's the thing. Like I, with Nolan now not coming back, in my mind, um, they need to go get a starting pitcher, and the free agent market's not very good. So – where you mm-hmm. get one? You got to trade for one. Well, if you're going to trade for a starting pitcher to fit, to replace Nola behind Wheeler, you got to get a real. You're going to get a really good pitcher. You're going to have to give up something to get that. Should mm-hmm. go sign Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both under contract, so can't can't do that. Can't be the Mets. Oh, uh, they can't do the Mets. All right. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, like I, I think Milwaukee's a team that you can maybe look at because they got three pitchers who are on the going into their final year of their deal. Corbin Burns, you are a Philly. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, there's a Corbin guy on that team, so that would actually help uh, yeah. relieve, the, relieve Corbin, the stink of Game 7. Corbin Burns could be that guy. Ooh. We're going to put out some little feelers. Maybe that's yeah. the clip. That might be the clip from the show. Um, <laughs> well, then I got to stop dicking around with this football here. Yeah, and Stan Filippo right? says Corbin Burns. To the yeah face. right there we go for Bryson Stott I'll be so able to I, I got I got one last note one last note for you since you since you decided to make my 
Alan, Aaron, Aaron Nola Scotch Circle video oh, yeah. go viral, right? Yeah. So while I'm standing there talking to him last night, and I had never really noticed this, but I'm like looking inside. As I'm talking to him, I'm looking inside his little cubby there. There are, I swear to God, 12 bottles of liquor. I love it. sitting in there of all different kinds of of bourbon and scotch and and you name it. He's got a, he also had a little coffee maker too, which was kind of cool, right? So I'm Ooh. thinking, I wonder if he put a little nip in the coffee too, right? He's got a little little coffee maker in the thing, and then and like 12 bottles of like all this top shelf liquor. I'm like, I never knew that there was this much available in, in here. <laughs> and San Filippo says Aaron Nola drunk while on the mound this season. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, baseball journalist says that Aaron Nola pitched drunk. Yeah. Ron Artest and Aaron Nola both took nips in between. Uh, yeah, that's going to be aggregate. That's the aggregator accounts are all going to have that. Like if there's a baseball uh, dove climbing or, or yeah. whatever, he'll, he'll exactly. So hey, Craig, when I, if if Pagan asks you to clip that, just no, that's a no. Oh, you think Craig does the clips? That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, you have to pay him 275k. Yeah, like we couldn't afford that part. No. Hey, all right. Thanks everybody for listening. We will uh we'll talk to you next time.